0: This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momenta Partners and Momenta Ventures. Welcome to our Digital Leadership Podcast. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Today, I'm pleased to host Martin Ectors, the Chief Innovation Officer at Legal & General, the UK's leading financial services group with over one trillion pounds in total assets under management globally, including homes, urban regeneration, clean energy, and small business finance. Martin is a name many will recognize from his pioneering IoT work at Nokia and Canonical, including developing the program at Nokia that launched Cumulosity, which exited to software AG, uh, U-Wave, and Cloudstreet. So welcome, Martin.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh yes, it's uh, probably long overdue in that regard. So let's start with your professional journey. Tell us a bit about your background and how it has informed your views of digital
1: industry. Interesting question. So uh, we'll go into the details uh, afterwards, but um, the whole digital innovation for me, it started really at the Nokia, time and then um, I I went through technical for many years but then I decided like what could possibly go wrong if I uh, change uh, properly and uh, go and try something different. So uh, but uh, it's interesting to see the whole digital from both the business side as well as the technical side and and understand those both sides because uh, you need to understand them to, to really take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd say one of the things that truly intrigued me, having known you from your deep technical experience, was the jump that you made into really as a chief digital officer now chief innovation officer at a um you know at at what many would consider to be a very conservative industry right and clearly you've been successful um, for a lot of different reasons so but let's let's rewind back let's go back to your time at nokia in 2010 which as you and i will both remember was a truly formative time and what we had just started to call the internet of things Uh, You were the co-founder of Nokia's Global Cloud Startups uh, program, a precursor, I'd say, to today's venture studio efforts, or some may say accelerators and incubators. What inspired you to create this program? What were some of your wins at the time?
1: So inspiration came from a need, as it always comes. So so I joined uh, Nokia to do offshoring, which my boss back then thought it was a three year program. And then after a year, I came back and said, I'm done. Like, we now have 300 people uh, uh, that that, that are working on this. I don't think they need me anymore. And then to my surprise, uh, my boss back then said mm, it's not a good time to have no job because like we're kind of short on jobs so i said okay let me think about what i'd like to do and and come back and then at that same time it was 2009 cloud computing was something new and exciting so i showed in a very famous demo to all executives in europe how in a couple of minutes uh, with um a Twilio type of service. It wasn't Twilio back then. Um, I could do things in minutes that they needed six months and six people for uh, in telecom. And I, I suggested, why don't we do more around uh, cloud computing and, and and new things around uh, what we could do in telecom? And that's how um, Nokia um, or NSN, startups at NSN back then, Nokia Siemens Networks, uh, got born. And what we created was a place to experiment. So we got 30 people over in Silicon Valley that decided with a lot of input from all the employees what six areas we wanted to test out. One of them was M2M, which uh, was the old name for Internet of Things. And at the end we got uh, 36 people uh, from all over the world uh, together and they were uh, basically divided into six teams that each came up with a very specific uh, solution. Of which, um, after a couple of years, there were three spin offs, Cumulosity being the most successful, uh, which exited uh, with Software AG and was a, a cloud um, IoT platform. U Wave was um, Telecom uh, solution where you could like drag and drop and and create uh, telecom solutions uh, from a browser and Cloud Street was about connectivity uh, uh, and and a, and a marketplace around that. And
0: Cumulasi- Cumulosity, we know well, uh, having worked with uh, Bernd Gross uh, early on when he was doing a lot of work with uh, Deutsche Telekom at the time. I remember uh, his coverage in a lot of the uh, early, well, late M2M and early IoT conferences at the time, especially in in Europe. So, uh, kudos on uh, on uh, uh, making such a, uh, uh, building such an interesting company, but also placing such a good leader in that as well. So, at Nokia, I noted you went on to lead head of, uh, to be head of cloud and Disruptive innovation
1: uh, there. What were some of the early innovations you guys were tracking at the time? So we we did a lot of SaaS marketplaces back then. So it was all about how can we help, for instance, telecom operators and there were a couple of big ones in Europe that were doing that to to help sell SaaS to um, their SME uh, customers uh, so that was one of the things we looked at like how can uh, we uh, generate new revenue especially also with the data that telecom operators had unfortunately back then um, we're talking uh, 2012 uh, 2013 uh, time frame um, Nokia wasn't doing that great and uh, unfortunately uh, our whole business unit um, got severely, cut uh, and that was uh, what stopped us uh, from really growing further.
0: Mm. Well, I guess in, in some sense uh, the, the, the misfortune for Nokia became the fortune for you in the sense that uh, the, that move culminated in you playing a leading role in 2013 for an early industry innovator, Canonical, which uh, many people know as the creator of the Ubuntu Linux operating system. Now, as I understand, the world's most popular enterprise, Linux, uh, from cloud to edge. This is where many of us, um, and, and you know me personally, got to meet you, given your I'll call it proliferate thought leadership, but also your almost omnipresent uh, in conferences at the time. What were some of the, your key learnings developing Canonical's IoT business?
1: Yeah, so we, we we were at the cutting edge. We were always looking what's the next thing, uh, what are, and back then this expression uh, was what are the cool kids doing. So, so one of the the things that a lot of um, business leaders don't grasp is why new technology moves so quickly and all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere. Well, most of the time it doesn't come out of nowhere. It, it's, it's, doing things at the edges for many years, but it's at places where people don't go and look. So it was interesting at Ubuntu to, to go and see how you could um, see an industry becoming disruptive uh, before actually people saw that it was going to have such a big impact. And and I started there as Clouds cloud uh, strategist and, and the person doing strategy before me Um, invented uh, the value chain map uh, or the or also called Wortley map because it was Simon Wortley and and he came up with the whole mapping of the future of uh, technology and basically he mapped in 2008 how cloud would go about and develop itself and we used that type of technique to also look at other um, areas and this is where IoT came up Uh, so how can you go and play um, a uh, major role in in the nascent iot business and and what we tried back then was to commoditize uh, app stores on devices because uh, anything from like um a robot vending machine a mobile base station anything uh, you couldn't uh, come up with uh, an idea a fountain or whatever or we had put an app store on it uh, on on some time event and showed how it could uh, become a revenue generator So it was a really interesting time to see where technology um, was going, how it uh, grew from nothing into industry changing.
0: And speaking of changing industries, you uh, in 2017, you made a, what I would consider a giant leap, at least from a, uh, you know, from a technology leader perspective. So moving from deep tech, as you called it earlier, to what I'll generally call fintech and insurance tech, but uh, truly at, uh, at the uh, forefront of an industry leader in the, in the form of legal in general. So first, I understand you were chief digital officer for their insurance business, and then uh, later on became, as you are now, chief innovation officer for the entire group what was it that attracted you to, uh, to this opportunity, the company and, uh, and the sector?
1: So first thing is that like in high tech, you have a million solutions for five paying customer problems and that is often the biggest problem. You, you have a solution looking for problems. So I wanted to see if I would go to an industry where there were a million paying customer problems, what could I do if I would bring that cutting edge technology uh, and, and try to solve those problems in new ways. Uh, so I was given an opportunity to do exactly that. Uh, the, the CEO of um, the insurance business, need. Uh, Some new blood and an innovator with a a fresh mind. So uh, I was brought in. And um, I started with a sort of copy of of startups at NSN um, in which like we asked uh, different problems and then uh, created small teams to solve them. And one of the biggest problems back then was insurance uh, claims. So if you have a home and television falls off the wall, uh, you want to claim. And and the way insurance works is very simple. If everybody only claims uh, for rightful things, then the, the, people that have a claim we should all pay it because that's exactly how it should work and the people that don't have a claim shouldn't claim or or um and and you should only claim for what you can actually claim and then insurance works brilliantly it's cheap for everybody and uh, if you're unfortunate you get um your claims paid uh but the unfortunate thing is there's something called fraud and that's what like basically makes it that um the honest customers uh disfavored so we looked at like what can we do so that honest customers can have uh, the claim paid very quickly and easily and dishonest customers walk away and don't complain and that's where um, our first innovation came out which um is a smart claim and it allowed uh, really that so, so in minutes you could claim and we saw that like customers went from uh, hating claim to claim to giving it the highest MPS score that uh, any services uh, back then had and uh, that's why it also won the uh, award for best claim technology of 2018.
0: You know, uh, in looking at your uh, profile for uh, for uh, setting up the questions around here, I I love the question you asked, and it says, uh, can a 180-year-old-plus company uh, be a fast innovator? And your your term here, the answer is yes. Um, I think you've actually clearly demonstrated this with a a string of wins, including smart claim you just mentioned a moment ago. Um, uh, SGRE in uh, 2019, the world's first pension blockchain solution in production, and Uno in 2020, a transformative mobile app platform that enabled your company to win the Pensions Technology Firm of the Year award. To, uh, to what do you owe your uh, your string
1: of successes? So. The way I go around the business is quite different than others uh, before me. So I I tend to go around and I say, what's your Harry Potter problem? And what's your Harry Potter problem? And initially people looked at me like, who's the crazy Belgian asking about Harry Potter problems? Until I started explaining what a Harry Potter problem is. And Harry Potter problem is something very easy. There's two types of critical business problems. One. With money and time you can buy yourself a solution and for those type of problems you go to the digital teams, the IT and change teams or whomever you want to work with, you give them the money, you wait long enough and you get the solution. But then there's another set of business problems where like, even money and time can't buy your solution. You've tried many times and you failed every time or you don't even know where to start. And then you have a Harry Potter problem, because a Harry Potter problem is very easy. You can only uh, get a solution from an innovator with a magic wand. And that's where like we want to come in and say, like, do we have a magic wand? Can we find innovators that can solve your problem? So this is where... We got all these uh, problems. Uh, as, as I said, for Smart Claim, it was like making it easy for uh, customers that are honest and hard for customers that are dishonest. S three afterwards um, was a problem for our Bermuda reinsurer. And if you know that there's sixty four thousand people living in Bermuda, uh, it's, it's hard that you can go and hire a lot of people if you want to scale that business. So they wanted to have a a reinsurance business that wasn't uh, limited by the amount of people they could hire. So we uh, came up with smart contracts that could automate uh, the growing of the business, and they won um, the biggest customer uh, contract uh, because of that. And then UNU is about um, a mobile app uh, for something you do once a year, which is uh, your pension. You don't want to normally download an app. You want uh, basically um, to uh, to just get the problem solved and get on. So so what we looked for is, is like, can we have many, many of those ones a year problems all combined so that you open up every day so that uh, our mobile, uh, your mobile is a solution for every problem you have. Um, and... Um, that has uh, also enabled them to win lots of uh, customer uh, wins so so to make a long story short go and start with those critical problems and find um, a harry potter solution for them uh, that will um, help you a lot the um
0: I guess anybody who knows your deep tech background probably wouldn't be surprised that you can wheel technology into a, a company and create potential catalytic change. But as any chief digital officer will you know, let people know immediately, it's much more around uh, culture change, right? And so in the same profile I was referring to earlier, you mentioned that innovation is an attitude that you can easily teach and and use to create new business, which I found to be a fascinating topic. So. While it sounds simple in concept, um, you know, in terms of your, your 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 phrase there, the landscape is littered with innovation programs, startup scouting centers, venture studios, you know, many run by your peer companies. All of which has demonstrated that there are real challenges to this. Who do you see as best in class in innovation management across your space and and generally in in the industry?
1: So, I. I f- f- I look at startups that really do it very, very well. So in in insurance, for instance, Laminate uh, is a very good example. I don't know if you're familiar with Laminate, but um, they do home insurance and, and pet insurance now as well. And they just changed the game on insurance. They they basically said there's a win-lose relationship between a customer and an insurer. Why don't we bring a third party so that there's no longer a win-lose uh, relationship? Why don't we make it that like, your claim gets paid in three seconds? Why don't we make it super easy for you to walk away from us? Why don't we make it super easy for you to root our contract and, and make sure you don't need a lawyer? And let's open source a contract and let's get... Uh, other people to help us simplify it. So, so, that those type of things are really, really interesting. Also, here in Europe, there's a lot of neo banks that are innovating, a lot of investment management innovation happening. So, so th- there's all of these startups that, that do all these innovations. And then, strangely, I also look a lot at China. Um, there's a lot of apps there that like are really. Totally encompassing in people's lives and and deal with all your finances uh, and so on in, in ways that uh, in Europe and the US we haven't seen yet. So, those would be sort of like where I get my inspiration from. Hmm.
0: What, what about among your peer companies and uh, insurance companies and financial um, companies? Who do you see as potentially the leaders out there beyond yourself, of course?
1: So um. Uh, yeah to put it very uh bluntly i'm i'm not focused on the current competitors there's thousands of others worrying about that i'm worried about the competitor we didn't know existed so so if everybody around you is trying to do business in the same way then like Today you might win and tomorrow you lose and the day after you win again and so on. So that's not a big problem. I'm more worried about the ones that come in and make the industry irrelevant. So so uh, if, um, for instance, you look at like SpaceX, if you are in telecom, why would you care about a company shooting uh, satellites in space unless all of a sudden they, they shoot 12,000 of them? in a couple of years and, and, and do um, broadband in rural places where you cannot compete with them. So, so it's that type of like competitors that I'm really worried about uh, because there's enough other people in the company looking at the usual suspects and what they're doing and making sure that we respond uh, to those um, competitive pressures well said martin
0: and that's why i wanted to ask the question that way because i had i had a feeling that you might say that and that that tells a lot about what it means to be a chief innovation officer versus a chief customer officer, per se, right? Although there's certainly some overlap. Um, you, we can't go too far today without talking about the, uh, the impact of COVID-19. And as we've mentioned on prior podcasts, I like the term the World Economic Forum is you know, used to term this as the great reset, right? When referring to the long-term impact of COVID-19. What do you see as the impact of this, quote, quote, quote reset on your financial services space?
1: So uh, I would say, how did financial services look like before? It was an analog world where you'd go to an office, uh, you were you, uh, sending letters, uh, call the call center and so on. And then everybody was on this transition to go to digital uh, self-service. Um, but all of a sudden, this COVID lockdown came and now it was absolutely mandatory that you could offer digital self-service and that's uh, what has changed uh, the most like an event that changes everything uh, there's a before and an after and as somebody that looked at disruptive innovation mm-hmm. it's something that you actually uh, uh, want to always explain to people look you are in danger that um, a big change happens and so on but people go like yeah next year i'll i'll, I'll take a look at that but now with COVID. It has really come to the forefront that you need to be ready, that you need to be able to interact digitally. And for me, it's just another step towards the next uh, thing which will be distributed and and completely autonomous. So we will go from an analog world uh, to digital self-service world to a world where a lot of financial services, uh, things can be done fully automated. And, and that will be even more disruptive um, I think uh, in the future because if you think about it, if um, as we've seen some years ago with ICOs uh, where, where small companies launched uh, launch their own initial coin offerings and so on, uh, that whole world hasn't stopped. You can now see that like these things are evolving and, and raise money potentially trade. And so on. So for a company that does an investment management, uh, not needing stock markets and and having this all automated will be a big impact. And and that's just one of the areas uh, that like uh, financial services will be impacted uh, with like this hyper innovation cycle that we're currently in. Mm. We've gone so far
0: as to refer to this as the great digital accelerator, which is the uh, title of a webinar we're getting ready to do, uh, because we've seen across the board, our peer companies, our investment portfolio, and large corporations like yourself that um, the uh, these last six, seven months have just been a, a rapid jump, if you will, in uh, anything digital, especially those around remote asset management, as we like to say. So uh, I just returned from a trip in London a couple weeks ago, and I was surprised by the number of places that will not take uh, cash, a currency, if you will, uh, and because of fear, you know, of course, you know, of, of touching the uh, the bills. And so, I have to imagine there is going to be a long-term reset with uh, with that as well uh, as there. So, as uh, digital industry investors, we always like to ask your recommendation on interesting startups. You mentioned Laminate earlier as one. Who are the ones, your ones to watch?
1: Yeah, so, so I think uh, are the Chinese um, uh, ping ends coming here, uh, uh, the laminates, um, anybody that actually is building platforms in financial services uh, is are the ones to watch. Uh, so, so we come from a pipeline business model whereby you created a product, you got some uh, middlemen to, to get it to the final client and then money f- uh, was flowing back, but you, you had to leave a lot of that commission uh, in that process, whereas now with platforms, um, you just have a platform player that takes a minority uh, percentage. Uh, and uh you can now reach global customers so so i'm really interested to see where that is going to go and and who's going to play out uh, in that space and i'm i'm still watching the uh tokenization startups and, and others uh, uh that could come up with really interesting uh, models there
0: yeah, excellent so in closing can you provide any recommendations of books and or resources that inspire you
1: so um anything uh, related to uh, disruptive innovation uh, the, all, all the theories uh, from uh, clayton all the the, the platform uh, books the, the exponential uh, organizations uh, how silicon valley got you hooked uh, on on apps all these type of things are, are really sort of golden nuggets to to read uh, and 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 uh, crossing the chasm classics and and so on uh, but the real, real thing is about trying yourself, like coming up with, with like, um, new businesses and, and, and trying to write the next book. That's what you really should be focusing on. Yes, you can learn a lot from books, but there's nothing like uh, trying it in practice because uh, you'll find out that your biggest challenges aren't uh, the shiny things, but could be very, very boring problems that are looking for an innovative solution.
0: Excellent. Well, Martin, thank you for this insightful interview. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So this has been Martin Ectors, Chief Innovation Officer at Legal and General, uh, long-term digital industry leader, and I'd offer one of the cool kids now. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for listening, and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast Series, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Leadership Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at Momenta.one for archived versions of prior podcasts, webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.